We got so much to get to with Congressman Rodney Davis here on the WMAY Morning News Feed. I'm Greg Bishop. Follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Bishop on Air. And you can also find WMAY News on social media as well. Just search out WMAY News. Uh, Congressman, thanks for taking time with us. Of course, it's busy over in Washington, D.C. We enjoy connecting with you to get the latest of what's up. Uh, But uh, let's start with the $1.9 trillion spending package that passed the House, and now it's up for consideration in the Senate. Uh, Some procedural stuff there uh, might be different than what passed the House, but uh, how much of this $1.9 trillion bill is actually focused on COVID-19? Good morning. Well, hey, good morning, Greg. To answer your last question, uh, about 9% is focused on COVID relief. Uh, The rest of the almost $2 trillion in spending is focused on Democrat and liberal priorities. Uh, It's very interesting to to see the Democrats go away from the bipartisanship that we had when we passed five other COVID relief bills together over the last year. But that's been a bit bit of a surprise in the Biden administration, how partisan the Democrats are. And today is going to be no different, Greg. I'm going to be on the House floor arguing against uh, their signature H.R. 1 legislation. That is a an election reform wish list for Democratic priorities and Democratic majorities. Well, I definitely do want to talk about that because uh, that's, of course, something uh, I could impact right here in Illinois. Uh, but back to this uh, this spending package, uh, talk about the the money for state and local governments uh, because that's could be we twelve point some odd billion dollars could be coming our way here in Illinois uh, with five plus billion for uh, for local governments. I, I've heard from local government leaders essentially saying that they don't want the state government to, to capture that. Uh, what kind of guarantees are there that uh, this money's actually actually going to be given to local governments and not held by the state for months, as was done last year. There's no guarantees, and and that's part of our frustration. Uh, We've seen Governor Pritzker uh, hold on to to federal CARES Act dollars and distribute what he calls the business interruption grants that are federal dollars that we gave him in March and April. And I remember seeing an article at the end of last year in my local newspaper lamenting the fact from the governor that not as many communities applied for it and they didn't want to have to send it back to the federal government. <laughs> that that article right there should have been a notification to the governor and his team, hey, you're not doing your job. Congressman, let's now jump into uh, the election law that you uh, you talked about, H.R. 1, uh, something that's been uh, brought up before by a previous Congress. But uh, what's all in this thing? And, and is it even constitutional, given that we have, by the Constitution, state governments, the ones that are dictating how elections are run, which really makes things kind of decentralized, right? It, it does. And, and the decentralized election approach that we have in this country makes our elections the safest elections in the fairest elections in the world, it's pretty tough to it's pretty tough to hack into a nationwide election system when um, you have the county clerk in in Calhoun County and the county clerk in Sangamon County responsible for their own elections. And when we look at this bill, it is just watered down. It, it, I mean, it, it's not watered down. It is is it an affront to free speech in this country? It's taking election laws that were put in place during the pandemic that failed in places like California, New York. And they're nationalizing those policies. But the, one of the biggest, most egregious provisions is they are they are taking the first ever corporate money and laundering it through the through the federal government into members of Congress's own campaigns to buy more ads, to spend more on campaigns. And frankly, that is just unbelievable to me. And it's not something 
any of my constituents have ever come up to me and said, hey, this is how we should deal with too much money in politics. Put more into it. Congressman Rodney Davis with us here on the WMAY Morning News Feed uh, and on H.R. 1, uh, a sweeping election overhaul of sorts. Uh, do you think this will stand any election uh, uh, challenges in the courts? Uh, we'll see. Uh, I, I don't believe it'll pass the Senate. I don't think you'll have a single Republican vote for this bill. And when they brought this bill up during the last Congress, they started this this public financing portion, this match program that makes me eligible for up to $7 million more in my campaign. Do you think I needed to spend $7 million more during the last cycle? So what they're going to get this money from, is, is where they're going to get it from, or they say they're fines on corporations who act badly. Well, do you know where those fines go now? They go to fund domestic violence shelters. They go to fund crime victim assistance funds. And that's where that money's going to be taken away from to put directly into candidates and members of Congress's own campaigns that they control. This started out last Congress as a taxpayer-financed six-to-one matching program to put money into their own campaigns. We brought that to everybody's attention, and then they changed it to the first-ever corporate money now being laundered through the federal government. You're talking, it's unbelievable to see this. You're talking about uh, uh, political dollars and uh, even uh, you know when you talk about political dollars and how those are spent in uh, elections. Uh, you also have others who are uh, looking at uh, certain organizations who uh, may get financing from somebody that they don't necessarily have to disclose, uh, a certain kind of donor anonymity. Uh, does this bill uh, try to, tar- you know, I guess shed light on uh, donors for certain organizations? Since 1958, in the NAACP versus Alabama case, it was decided no, no uh, not-for-profit uh, and, <clears throat> and tax-exempt organizations do not have to disclose donors because you can imagine in 1958 what disclosing donors to the NAACP would have meant to some of those donors. So we changed – that court case still is, is in existence. That is the precedent that's set. But – the Democrats here, they don't care about precedent, and they want to be able to cancel out anyone who gives to an organization that they don't agree with politically, and it's wrong. And another issue, they take away the lowest learner rule that allows the IRS to now target political organi- target not-for-profits just because of, of who they support politically. Congressman, another aspect of the bill seems to deal with uh, uh, remapping uh, of sorts. I'm seeing here that, uh, and I haven't read the almost 800-page bill, so uh, my apologies. Uh, I'm looking at press reports here, but uh, uh, one uh, one report says the Democratic bill would uh, require boundaries be drawn by independent commissions. Uh, That seems to be something that uh, Republicans have been looking for, at least in Illinois. Uh, Are there elements of this that might be all right? It's an 800-page bill. I mean, not everything in there is bad or a piece of crap. Uh, you're, you're going to have some provisions that I agree with. I happen to agree that we need independent redistricting commissions, but does the federal government need to set those up? We ought to be able to do that in Illinois. And as a matter of fact, when you have a top-down approach, how does that affect the states that already have independent commissions? Are, they going to, are their independent commissions going to be watered down because of the federal government? Those are questions that Democrats need to answer. 
But just because I support one provision in a bill doesn't mean that the rest of the bill is going to be okay. Congressman Rodney Davis here with us on the WMAY Morning News feed. Um, we've, of course, got uh, COVID-19 still uh, very much prevalent in Illinois. And as far as the uh, the governor's restrictions, not allowing for conventions and still 50% capacity for restaurants and so on. Uh, we've got a lot more vaccine going out. Johnson & Johnson has a, a new vaccine that's available with uh, millions of doses uh, being shipped all across the country. Uh, I'm looking at a, a bunch of different states that are uh, opening things up more fully. What's going on in Illinois, and uh, how should the governor, um, now that we have more vaccine coming out, uh, should we have some more clarity on when exactly things are going to be opened back up? Absolutely, we should have more clarity, Greg. Uh, we should uh, we should have the governor demanding that schools plan for and begin to, to go back to in-person learning. Uh, we have got a crisis on our hands, not when it comes to the, the educational attainment standards that we expect out of each grade level for our kids in Illinois schools. And we also have a problem with mental health, uh, increased suicide rate, increased drug abuse rate among students. We've got to get these kids back into the classroom. And uh, school districts need to be planning for that. When you look at the statistics and you see that we're going to continue to have exponentially more access to vaccines, that we get our most vulnerable vaccinated and the kids that are in school are the least at risk to be hospitalized because of this disease, plan to get them back in. Statistics show it's safe. And I have no idea other than other than the governor and, and his allies and Democrats in Springfield are kowtowing to the teachers unions because the teachers unions don't want to put their don't want to go back into the classroom. It's wrong. It's hurting our kids. And finally here, Congressman, uh, we've got uh, the issue that happened a couple of weeks ago uh, here in central Illinois where uh, small villages that uh, maintain their own utility uh, for natural gas, they saw uh, exponential spikes uh, because of the uh, the frigid weather. Uh, the Illinois Finance Authority approved low-interest loans to cover some of those costs, but those do have to be paid back. You're looking for uh, Congress to uh, pass a, an emergency appropriation. Tell us about that. How much are we looking? You know, I, that that needs to be determined. Uh, but in the end, we have to do something for our communities. And this is affecting small communities that are, uh, you know, that provide their own municipal gas. They distribute it through their own system. Uh, they saw exponential increases in prices. The first step was getting the disaster declaration. That's here. Now we have to go in and figure out what the costs are going to be and how we can make sure that our communities, especially our smaller communities, uh, like, you know, Stonington, for example, in Christian County, the community center there that used to be a school saw a price increase from $600 in utilities at the average to 12000 They can't play basketball there. They can't keep the library open if that continues. We have to be able to do something because of this natural disaster. And do you think that there's going to be a willingness to, to act on that quickly, or uh, is it going to be uh, something that uh, you think a slow process because of everything else is going on in Congress? Well, I certainly hope that this, that important issues like this are not slowed down, pushing Democrat partisan priorities like H.R. 1 and a $2 trillion partisan package of so-called COVID relief that only has 9% going to actually vaccinations and true, address, true uh, areas of addressing COVID. Congressman Rodney Davis, uh, finally, anything else top of mind for you? We've run through quite a bit. What else am I missing over, uh, over in uh, D.C. happenings? Well, it's going to be an interesting day with HR one. Turn on C-SPAN if you're bored, and we're going to have some fun today. <laughs> 
All right, well, we'll, uh, we'll definitely uh, turn on C-SPAN and uh, watch the uh, the sparks fly. Congressman Rodney Davis, uh, he's in D.C., and uh, he's also the congressman for this area, so we greatly appreciate you taking the time this morning uh, and giving us a rundown of what's going on. Thanks, buddy. Take care, man.